Welcome to the Magic Pisces Podcast. Before the ayahuasca, before the clear... Magic Pisces Podcast, February 20th. Not really releasing with the best consistency with this podcast. Um, I, I own it. Thanks for all the people who take the time to tune in when I do release. The other podcast, the Course in Miracles podcast, is rocking and rolling. It's, I just recorded lessons 52, 53, and 54. I try to do them in batches. And so that's 53 days of 2023 and an episode released every frickin' day with no swearing, a little bit of swearing. I might say I've said shit once or twice, but no swearing in the Course of Miracles podcast because I want to honor God. That is me transmitting the words of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus Christ himself. And so I'd like to think that Jesus didn't drop F-bombs. Maybe he did. He was a carpenter. So I'm imagining at some point he hit his, he hit his thumb or his finger or, you know, accidentally sawed himself or something. Um, I don't really know what the... So tune into the Course of Miracles podcast. I mean, what is... I am having these completely trippy, transcendent moments as the result of ministering this stuff. I'm just, I'm just like, I'll just kind of catch myself in the middle. I'll be in the middle of like some life thing. And then a Course in Miracles lesson will just populate my consciousness. And I'm just like, oh, do, do, do. And, and I just let it go. And I'm just less angry and I'm not getting as worked up. And I've been, it's, it's funny because I've been practicing. If you don't know what the Course of Miracles is, it's basically um, Jesus started speaking to this woman, Helen Shuckman, in like 1969 or maybe it was later than that. I'm not sure. In the 60s or the 70s, right? And like she started, this woman, Helen Shuckman, she was a psychotherapist and she worked, she had a really dysfunctional relationship with this other guy, Bill. And they were both, I think it was New York City and they were both like psychotherapists in New York City in the 70s. And they were all, they were all fucked up in the head and it wasn't working. Their lives weren't working. And then all of a sudden, like she started having these dreams of Jesus. Like Jesus started coming to her in her dreams. And she was like, you are going to, Jesus like prophesized it. Like, I'm going to tell you to write this book basically. And so she, she heeded the call and she basically channeled this entire freaking book, The Course of Miracles, which is like, she's, I think she spent seven years on it, her and this other guy, Bill, um, trans, like channeling it and then editing it. And then they just, you know, back in, back in those days, it's not like you had Instagram, you know, there wasn't any, there wasn't any Facebook to tell, um, the world that you've been channeling the thoughts of Jesus or Jesus has visited you, been visiting you in your sleep and you've been toiling for hours, um, hours every day to get this, this thing up to meet a deadline. No, that's not how it went. Um, it's just really, I mean, it's really freaking trippy. And I've talked about this. Um, I, I've, I'm almost positive. I talked about American spirituality. I have talked about American spirituality in the Magic Pisces podcast. Um, the entire recovery movement, Bill W., the founder of AA, um, who I believe Time Magazine, I believe they gave him the Man of the Century. I think he won the Man of the Century Award um, for Time Magazine the last time they gave that out. Um, it might have been the Millennium. I would think that Jesus might be a better 
person than Bill W. But Bill W., the thing is, um, as far as the millennium goes, but Bill W. is, he is on par with JC. Um, he, he is responsible. His white light burning bush um, spiritual moment is responsible. He's the reason I'm sitting here talking to you and I have all these great stories to tell you that ha- happen to have a happy ending. Um, he's just this alcoholic that saw white light one day and went out and called another alcoholic not that long after that. And they had the first, they had their first recovery gathering. And then they went and found the third person. And they're like, we think we figured this, we think we found out the solution. We just talked to each other about this. And then the, this 12 steps were created from there, not too long thereafter. And then this book was published, um, which is the standard text for said anonymous program that I'm not technically allowed to say that I'm a member of. And I think it's important to observe that tradition. Um, but my point being this 20th century America, the cure, for, not the cure, but the, the, the way to stop being an alcoholic or, or a destructive alcoholic um, and to go on recovery is 20th century America. And that the 12-step paths are responsible for definitely s- saving a, a number comparable to uh, the number of people saved by religions. But it's spirituality, so it's not nobody's dictating you. Nobody's telling you what to do. That's the beautiful thing. There is, everything is suggestions. And spirituality harnesses the power of suggestions where religion is kind of like the, the um, it's laws. This is the law of God. And if you disobey the law of God, you will go to hell. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, that get separated from God, we, you know, fuck him anyway. You know, like that's kind of, you look at my life, fuck him anyway. And that God of religion. And, you know, you meant me. Plenty of people, you know, gay people, for instance, right, they um, are told horrible things about how God feels about them. And it fucks them all up. And then if they're lucky, they find God through some other avenue. But they have to go through that cognitive dissonance first. Um, And then perhaps choose to walk a spiritual path later in life, which is, um, you know, I didn't really have religion... like thrown at me. Well, I wasn't like threatened or anything. Like I was never told that God would send me to hell if I didn't, you know, X, Y, or Z. And I, religion didn't really put a sour taste in my mouth. Um, but there was church and it was on Sundays and there was youth group and their youth group was great. You know, we went and we hung out with this cool hip, hip young youth pastor named Mark. He was actually a grave digger. Um, in his, that was like his day job was a day grave digger. And then he was the youth pastor. But, you know, I, I, I basically told that whole thing to kiss off and then was spiritually reborn as the result of Bill W., American spirituality, um, you know, 15 years later, something like that. I got sober at age 32. And, and so this miracle working phenomenon or this miracle working moment, uh, movement or whatever it is you want to call it, birthed itself in America, in 1935, in Akron, Ohio, and it's spread all over the globe. So you can be basically anywhere in planet Earth, and you're within a couple hours' drive, within reason. Just about anywhere, though, of a place where you can go and get free recovery help, free help on how to recover from a hopeless state of mind and body. 
that is rooted in pe- people serving others and helping one another. And you get someone and they help you, you, they walk you through the 12 steps and the 12 steps are not easy. They're not an easy path to walk. It requires action. You have to do the work. It actually requires you take a pen and a piece of paper and and then from there and, and admit your bullshit to another human being. The deepest, darkest secrets that you have ever harbored or that you harbor um, and and alcoholics, crazy alcoholic drug addicts have some crazy fucking secrets, right? And you unburden yourself of them. Um, there is a spiritual liberation that has a result that results from that, and that's less, that's step five. But then from there, it doesn't. You you don't stop there. Then you're eventually going around to all the people you fucked over, and you're making very specific amends. Um, I probably um, have a few still to make, but. It's some powerful shit, the fact that the 12-step movement was birthed out of 20th century America, Akron, Ohio, America, right? And then back to Course of Miracles, Course of Miracles came around uh, 25, 30 30 years later, something like that. Yeah, 35 years um, later-ish. And it is very, very, the Course of Miracles is very similar to 12-step stuff. It just is. It's, it's, it's different, but it, it's, it gives you a structure inside of which you can connect to something greater than yourself. Because recovery, like, like if you look at a traditional recovery avenue, a 12-step recovery avenue, basically it's the, what, it, what it says is the drugs and the alcohol are a symptom of our disconnection from God, our disconnection from source. And this traditional path of recovery, which I find to be really the only kind that sort of permanently works, um, gives you a structure inside of which you can connect with that. And you don't even really need to believe in God when you start off. It addresses everything. But then what happens as you do the work, as you do one step into the next into the next, you realize that like your life is just working out in ways that it really shouldn't be. And then you hear other people, dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of stories exact, that are exactly, totally different, but exactly the same um, as, as yours. And how this higher power of our understanding, this God of our understanding, came into our lives and made the impossible happen. And the same thing, a very similar thing, but in a different way, happens with Course in Miracles. Your life is in disarray. You, you start working the 365 daily lessons to the best of your ability, and then you just learn how to like stay out of the way. So let go and let God. How do we let go and let God? We let go and let God by working. We have to do the actual work and of course, in the case of A Course in Miracles, it's 365 daily lessons and this big, long, terrifyingly overwhelming at times uh, textbook as well. Um, but now, you know, you got YouTube, so you can go on YouTube and you can find out, get other people's perspectives on it. But again, 20th century America, Course in Miracles, it's some powerful, powerful shit. If you have any interest or any curiosity about Course in Miracles at all, maybe you've heard of it. I do. I think I do a, a decent job of really demystifying it and just making it very practical and user-friendly and digestible and understandable. And it's all about results. So you want to see measurable shifts happening in your life as a result of working lessons, which is exactly what happens when you work the 12 steps. You, your life like gets so much better. 
really quickly. Um, so that's those are two American spiritual whammies. And then Dr. David Hawkins, also um, one of the greatest and most amazingly fascinatingly profound spiritual teachers to ever live. Dr. David Hawkins, 21st century America. Like he was doing stuff before the turn of the century, but his books, I believe he wrote his first book, Power Versus Force in, it's like 2001 or 2002, 2003, something like that. Maybe actually might have been, I think actually it was around 95 or 96, but still, um, America, so we've got 12 Steps, we've got Course in Miracles, we've got David Hawkins, and then there's this other guy, Jed McKenna, um, who's kind of like a smart-ass spiritual guy. He wrote these three amazing books called the Enlightenment Trilogy, and he, he's, he talks about in one of those books, uh, the first book is called Spiritual Enlightenment, The Damnedest Thing, the second one is called Spiritually Incorrect Enlightenment, and the third one is called Spiritual Warfare. And he talks about He's like, yeah, everybody wants to go to India to like see the Holy Baba or whatever. And he's like, I like America. You know, America's got uh, Esther, Esther Hicks, you know, the law of attraction person. America's got um, Course in Miracles. Amer he rips on the 12 steps, which I think is kind of fucking stupid, honestly. Um, it kind of does him a disservice, but he talks about how like everything that you need is like, you don't need to go to India. You can, you can connect with God in one of the most profound ways possible, utilizing 20th century resources that were essentially gifts from God. Like occasionally God just hucks something down to the planet and says, here, this is my gift to you. Take it, you know, do what you will with it. And the people who are ready, who are spiritually ripe, um, will heed those, will heed the lessons or answer the call. Um, spiritually ripe, is that the right? I think that's it, spiritually ripe. Um, I just, all I did when I ended up getting sober was I, I, all I did was demonstrate a little teeny tiny itsy bitsy bit, teeny, teeny tiny, uh, Never mind. I just demonstrated a little bit of willingness is, is what I'm saying. And as a result of demonstrating that willingness and showing the universe that I was willing and saying a couple of honest prayers, um, my entire life transformed as the result of something that was given to this planet from God through this guy, Bill W., just fucking alcoholic guy, right? And this other guy, Dr. Bob. Um, and Bill W. called Dr. Bob and he said... Uh, I got this problem, and Dr. Bob said, I don't, he's like, I, I heard you have a similar problem to me, and Dr. Bob was like, well, I don't, I don't want any help with my alcoholism. I'm pretty much just planning on drinking myself to death, and Bill W. said to him, well, I'm not trying to help you. I'm trying to help myself, and that was like the first meeting, right? And so um, here we are, right? Again, 20th century America, fascinating shit to ponder. And the beautiful thing about like true spirituality, like anything that is like a, an actual gift from God, it doesn't, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. You know, you can read the entire Course of Miracles online now. Um, if you go to a 12-step meeting, you don't have to pay anything. You can put a dollar in the hat or two. I think it's two dollars now they'll ask like in the, in the jar or the basket when it gets passed around, if you have it. And and if not, that's okay. It's just a gift from God. They'll, you will never be turned away. Um, it's not something you need to feel that you need to, it's not something that you need to contribute to or that you should even need to feel to, that you should even feel the need to contribute to. 
Um, but everybody wants to. That's the thing. It's like, here, $2 a day or $2 a few days a week. Um, thank you. That's a very small price to pay. Therapy, there's, no, there's not really any proof that therapy works. Recovery, traditional 12-step recovery, there's, I'm proof. I'm proof that it works. And you just have to do a few simple things, and, and your life will change around. It does, however, require, like I said, like a ripeness or a certain, a certain at least willingness to become mature or more mature. When I got sober, I was, I had the emotional, I, I thought I was fucking hot shit back in the day in Colorado. I thought I was just the fucking coolest guy ever. I was nothing shy of a terrified little child. I was just a fucking egomaniac with an inferiority complex bouncing around this town on a skateboard with a bunch of other alcoholic coke fiends. And then, you know, and then it got, then it, from there it got like, I, I took it, I took it much further than just that. Like me and my friends were up to some very, very, very deadly shit for at least a year before I left Colorado. And then for another 18 months after that, before I got sober, um, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. But I, you know, there was this moment when there was this time in my life when I was like 26, 27, like 28, like total bro, like thought I was the fucking hottest shit in the universe and was I was such I was so terrified that I did not realize that my life was ruled by fear. That's how scared I was. I was so scared that all my fear was tucked away in like this secret compartment. And then when you, uh, when you arrive on the unit of, a, in, of an institution of lower learning in a recovery unit, there's just this way, it just has this way of reminding you or letting you know that you've been terrified since you were like two or one or in, the, in your mother's womb. You've been terrified. Your whole life has been ruled by fear. And, and the beautiful thing then is that while well, these recovery guys come along and they say, hey, well, you know what? We can help you with all of this. We can help you with every single last bit of it. And it's free. Now, you have to pay to go to rehab, but all they tell you in rehab is do the traditional recovery route. That's all they tell you, basically. Like, there's some, like, foofy, like, you know, Beverly Hills recovery places that we do not believe in the 12-step model of recovery. And it's like, yeah, okay, fine. That's great. You can, like go have gong baths and sit in the sauna. And I, I've been around those people. That I, I know a lot of people in that recovery community who, like, aren't doing the actual fixing of things. They're not, amend, they're not making any amends or anything like that. And they're walking a tightrope, you know. So you can't chant your way to permanent sobriety. Um, I haven't had a drink in... 15 and a half years, that comes as a result of being connected. And God, the healing power of God works through our brothers and sisters. And so again, the Course in Miracles is always talking about how God speaks to us through our brothers. That's exactly what happens in recovery, is God speaks through all of these different people who I have, uh, I go to a Friday night gathering to be with. And, you know, my old friends, people I used to party with, they don't, they don't, they don't have any, they have no idea what I'm, what I get from that. That it's not about having to cling to this group of people so that I don't take a drink. It's not about that. It's about, I had the symptom, the symptom was drinking because I was so afraid and these people helped me to connect with something greater than myself. And as a result of that, the, 
the obsession to drink vanishes. I just never think about it. Um, and that is a miracle. So I wasn't intending on speaking about 20th century American miracle working paradigms or programs or structures or whatever, but it's just kind of where I ended up because I had just recorded three Course in Miracles podcasts in a row and then was inspired to throw out a Magic Pisces one. I, um, I watched another episode of, in my last, I think it was my last episode, maybe two episodes ago, I was referencing the Soft White Underbelly podcast where this guy interviews like crackheads and uh, I forget his name, Mark Ada or something like that. Um, he's interviewing people from the seedier side of life, I guess you might say. And I just watched one of this guy who's a hitman. He was a mob hitman. And basically, he's like this scary guy, you know? He's like this big, strong guy that would just kill you. Like he has. He's like a professional killer, you know? and uh, Or was a professional killer. And his dad, like, his dad from his... This was on the Lower East Side of New York. And I'm assuming it was probably like the mid-70s, um, maybe like early 80s. And his dad just trained him to fight. His dad made him do push-ups when he was like two years old, three years old. His dad taught him how to box. His dad taught him how to fuck people up. And, um, and that's what he did. He, he, he was a, and he became essentially a, a mob enforcer by the time he was like, I think he like hit his first person, in, hit, hit his first person in the head with a baseball bat when he was like 11 years old. And then he gained this reputation. And by the time he was 13, he was basically like a full-time hitman, making shitloads of money, just killing people, stabbing people and hitting people with baseball bats. And, and, I mean, it's just the definition of a product of his environment. Like, what if he hadn't grown up there? What if he'd grown up, you know, where I grew up? Maybe he would have been a, a football player or something. Or, you know, or maybe not because those choices are available. Choices to engage with the lower frequencies of life are available to all of us. And they, um, they emerge. Um, that's, that's what, like, temptation. Temptation is sort of like the lower energies, the lower spiritual energies tempting you to go down dark paths. And that's what happened with me. Like I was, I grew up in a big ass house and my high school was literally a castle on a hill. And I, all I did was give into temptation. I, I, I went down that dark path that Yoda talks about and it forever dominated my destiny. And if you do choose a dark path like that, it is only a spirit, a full-blown spiritual awakening is the only thing that will save you if you're of the hopeless variety. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that just, they like recover, they get over their depression or their lifelong anguish or their lifelong turmoil or whatever by like entering into yogic paths. They'll go, they'll, they'll, they'll sign up for yoga class and it puts them in touch with a deeper, with a deep part of themselves that they had forgotten. And as a result, their soul heals. But in my personal opinion, my not so humble personal opinion, um, deep soul, like deep soul woundedness requires deep soul healing. It, it has to come from God. And when this guy, this, again, just my opinion, go find your, go find your own way is perfectly fine with me. But um, I just have yet to find what those ways are. I don't know what those ways are, those kind of non-spiritual ways. I guess maybe EMDR therapy and uh, talk therapy, if it's with a really good psychotherapist, can certainly be incredibly beneficial. Um, but that's like professional, and the the truly the the truly 
spiritual healing recovery paths are free. They're non they're forever non-professional. Explicitly stated that they're it is explicitly stated that they are forever non-professional. So anyway, this this hitman guy, he just talks about how like he he's basically just beat people up with a baseball bat, stabbed people and shot people for like decades. And then all of a sudden he was just like traumatized by it. All of a sudden he realized what he was doing. And all of a sudden he couldn't sleep at night. And then all of a sudden he had this gnarly case of PTSD, which he's probably very much deserving of. But he chose to start living a different way. And now he gives back. He goes and he talks to teenagers. He tells them, he tells his story. He talks, he um, talks to criminals. I believe he goes into prisons and talks. I, I could be wrong there. But he says that he, he has to still like fight. He still has the propensity to like kill people. It's like part of his DNA now. It's like blood. You know, and so he talks about the spirit, like, like the path that he's on now, the way that he, he has to work, like his working out now, instead of like punching the bag or training in like the boxing gym, is it's all about learning to be nonviolent. That's where his, that's where his yoga is. Like the yoga is like, yoga happens sort of like there's a, we have a growth edge, and, our, and we all have a place where we can sort of practice our yoga and kind of push ourselves beyond where we are comfortable. And this person obviously has a warrior spirit, but there is a, there is a such thing as a spiritual warrior, right? So a spiritual warrior will do the right thing in any situation no matter what. And that can require, you know, Jesus, of course, being the most extreme example of that, right? Like that's a spiritual warrior. That's a person that is working, that is living in service of something greater. And that's what you see in the recovery communities, these little spiritual warriors, these little, these people who are, instead of, you know, everybody gets mad, everybody gets angry at other human beings, but instead of staying mad, they process it with another human being, and they ultimately choose the higher path. And by choosing the higher path over and over and over, by doing the next right thing, you become more or less immune to the vices, right? And vices, I mean, don't get me started on, like, the different ways that we can, um, that vices can manifest. But I, I, think, I think it was in my podcast... The Course of Miracles podcast yesterday, I was talking about idols. And idols are, it's anything that you put before God. Anything that you put in front of God or that tries to, that you use to, to take the place of God. And that could be, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll, alcohol, gambling. But then it could be like hating people. It doesn't need to be, it could be um, jumping on YouTube and hating certain pundits, but watching it anyway, you're, you're kind of in a, in a twisted way sort of idolizing them. And it's, it's unfortunate that this podcast, um, like in its early days, it, was, it started right when COVID started. And it was just really easy to, to, I just got sucked in, I just got sucked into this thing. I got hypnotized. And, excuse me. And other people were hypnotized in other ways. And the, the, the hypnoses clashed, and then all of a sudden, everybody wants to fucking kill one another. They're idling, idolizing one another in this really horrible way. I saw, I saw some of the most, some of the nicest, kindest people become so mean, and I turned into a little bit of, I turned into a little bit of an asshole. I had to like go back and erase some episodes from the queue because I don't, I don't want to, 
I don't want to attach my name to some of the things I said, but it, it's just kind of like how it went. And what can you do other than forgive yourself, forgive others, and turn the whole thing over to God and just try to do a better job the next time? That's all you can do. Um, and just looking back on it, you just see like the the role that the media had in all of it. It's just like so, there's some such strange stuff going on there um, with the with the media currently. Um, you know, Keith, I've mentioned the Off album, this, this new album by the band Off. The name of the album is Free LSD. And I personally think that it is the greatest punk rock album ever made. I've been listening to punk rock for 35 years, I think maybe 36 years, and I think that that is the greatest punk rock album ever made, period. 20th, 21st century America, but he's just got this line like, FCC, Mediopoly, undermine democracy, the structure of secrecy, talk means trouble, you'll be erased, murder corporation in outer space. So he's like, he's like saying these, he's like fighting, revolting against like, uh, cancel culture, but in this like cryptic way that makes it sound like it's about like aliens. But Keith Morris, he's way too punk rock to be falling for this shit. <laughs> he's just way too punk rock, but he's not stupid enough. Uh, he's not so stupid that he's going to come out and, you know, endorse Joe Rogan, right? Who, you know, honestly, he gets a really bad name. I was watching a, um, or he did, he was getting a bad name during COVID, but I was watching this, uh, interview with Anthony Kiedis recently of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, who I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm some, I'm, it's not like I'm a Chili Peppers head, <laughs> Chili Peppers fan. I did recently, however, as a result of watching that interview, um, pull the, pull out uh, Mother's Milk, the Mother's Milk album on, on Apple Music. And that album is an absolute masterpiece, an absolute masterpiece. It is a brilliant work of music. But um, Rogan's interview of Anthony Kiedis was just, it was really, really fascinating um, because he has this way of getting into the minds of people and getting them to open up and essentially bear their soul. And that's what his his gift is. And, you know, there were just a couple of like, there were a couple of sound, you know, it's just like sound bites. Like the media snips a couple things out here and there and they paste it together and then they smear it all over CNN and then everybody believes it. And it's like, I, and if you were to sit and listen to um, four or five or six of his three hour talks in a row, you would see that there's, there's very little like anti-vax stuff in any of them. You know, these are like little tiny snippets, you know, but um but he's having really relevant and powerful conversations with really amazing people um, and giving them a chance to really express um, what they know and how they feel about certain things and the reasons that they, that they feel this way. And then little things just get snipped out of it and these fucking... Again, it just turns into this great big disgusting smear campaign. And it's, it's I, I have found, you know, through the lens of like Course in Miracles stuff, to kind of bring it back to that, is that getting sucked into all of that, I got really sucked into this shit. Um, when, you, when you're seeing what you perceive to be the truth and when, when you're getting, seeing what you perceive to be just, I mean, uh, evil lies, um, what's the word? Lies perpetrated, perpetrated? Do you perpetrate a lie? Um, it's pretty, it's hard to not get irate. Um, you know, I, um, I've said this before, I'm like an ex, 
I was as far left as you could possibly fucking be in like the eighties, nineties, you know? And, um, in so many ways in my core, in my soul, I still am. But what has been happening phenomenologically in the world lately is it should startle a lot of people because we've gotten to this place where like stating truths is not okay. And that's what, back to that Keith Morris thing. Talk means trouble. You'll be erased. Murder corporation in outer space. Um, if you want to listen, if there's any one punk rock album that you should ever listen to, it's free LSD by off. Just sit down and read all of the lyrics to it. Um, it is, I think they just, I've talked about it on this podcast before. I think they just went into the woods and dropped acid for like 30 days straight and just made this amazing sounding album. And it's, it's a little, it's like almost a little bit experimental, but not to the point where like you get lost in the experimentation. There's some weird kind of like interlude parts that I think you're supposed to listen to when you're tripping. But um, it just pretty much the thing is just hard hitting. I mean, it just bangs you over the head from beginning to end. It's brilliant and it is inspiring to see these little snippets, these little like truth tellers sort of emerging, even if they have to do it in um, cryptic ways, you know. So thanks for listening. This might have been a little bit longer episode. I was on a little bit of a podcasting rampage. So talk to you all next time. Have a beautiful day. Thank you for tuning into the Magic Pisces podcast. Bye-bye. <laughs>